Hello, and welcome to New People, New Ways, a podcast in partnership with Fresh Expressions Florida and Fresh Expression United Methodist that explores new ways of being church through the stories and insights of scholars and practitioners alike. I'm Piper Ramsey Sumner, a layperson and cultivator of Fresh Expressions for the Florida Conference. And I'm Michael Adam Beck. I'm the director for Fresh Expressions Florida and the director for Fresh Expressions UM. And our guest today uh, is my friend and amazing innovator, uh, Justin Kaysen. Uh, Justin's a provisional elder in the United Methodist Church, and he's currently serving as the online campus pastor for Monticello UMC in Monticello, Indiana. And he believes that the church's future lies in digital ministry, where we're bringing people into a deepening relationship with Jesus, leveraging technology and community. Justin, thank you so much for being with us today and jumping on. And uh, tell us a little bit, just who is Justin Kaysen? Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm super pumped to be here with you all. Uh, yeah, Justin Kaysen is a complex guy. He uh, <laughs> he likes to spend time with his, I have a wife and two daughters whom I love, and that's my, uh, my joy in spending time with them and being with them in so many different ways. Um, but also I'm a, a gamer. Um, I'm a nerd. I love computers. Uh, if you could see my office behind me or behind you where I have my camera at, there's tons of pop vinyls and random nutcrackers and a bonsai tree made out of Legos. That's just who I am. I'm very, um, very weird in that way. I love disc golf and I love hanging out with friends. I love the community. I, I just, I love life. And that's, that's who I am. I spend a lot of my life online, but also a lot of my life in community. Um, and those are not mutually exclusive by any means. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's me. That's Justin Kaysen. Awesome. Awesome. I've been um speaking of gaming, um, my friend has a a Minecraft server and nice. my husband and I, we've the last couple nights we've been getting on and playing Minecraft with our friend who lives across the country. And so that's been a lot of fun. That's so cool. During yeah. COVID, that's one of the ways that we connected with our middle school students is what we hosted a Minecraft server and they built and they burned and they built again. Um, they, they blew things <laughs> up. They had a blast on that thing and it was awesome. Yes. I love Minecraft. It's like a classic. So fun. Oh yeah. All ages. It's super fun. Um, <laughs> so I want to know where did your path into online ministry begin? Uh, what was that journey like? And where are you at now? Talk a little about about your position now. Yeah, yeah. So um, the the auto response would be COVID, right? But that's not really the answer. Um, I coached an esports team at a college I worked at uh, many moons ago. Um, I've been involved in the technology side of things. I never formally trained, to be honest with you. Um, just enjoy to learn new things. I uh, I like to say that YouTube is the greatest teacher we've ever had, right? We can learn anything in that way. Um, so always been kind of online, um, gaming with people across the country, across the world, creating relationships that were real um, in MMORPGs or first person shooter, or, you know, whatever that looks like, always creating those relationships. So all those things and my love for technology, when COVID hit, um, I think even without saying it was, OK, Justin, what do we do at our church? Um, I was the youth pastor, not under appointment, just kind of living my life with the youth group and got us online and we started live streaming um, and we, we tried a lot of things, a lot of them failed. Um, we continuously, you know, we didn't have any sacred cows online. Uh, we were trying to see whatever was going to work to bring people to Jesus and to, to care for people. That was our whole goal during COVID was how do we make sure that people are still cared for 
They still feel community. They still feel the love of Jesus Christ. Um, and we noticed that not only were our people online, but there were people who weren't yet our people who were joining us online. Um, mm-hmm. And it opened up this whole new world, right, of what does it look like for us to have a completely different expression of our church online? So with um, some partnership from our church development office and through our district and a lot of other people, we developed this process and um, went through this this exploratory, exploratory type thing of how do we do ministry differently? So we launched an online campus. So I uh, I got appointed as a, the first online campus pastor in Indiana. Um, so I'm actually appointed to the online campus in particular, which is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I've been serving in that way now for the past two years, going on to my third year. Um, and that's what we've been doing. So right now we have Mumsy Online is my online ministry. Um, well, it's God's online ministry. I just get the pleasure of leading it. Um, we have about 700 people in a in our closed Facebook group that interact with us with prayer concerns and discipleship and going going deeper in our faith. Um, and then through, we have two um, kind of traditional services, one traditional, one uh, contemporary that we do on Sunday mornings. But we also launched as part of the online campus, a fully online service called The Couch, which is, uh, there's no one else in the room except for my tech team. It's this, and the camera, <laughs> um, and then responding to people on this so people will type in questions concerns um prayer concerns we'll respond to them so that first night right we did it i had my my manuscript ready to go for my sermon you know trying to be as prepped as possible the second night i had like a half page i was going to do by the fourth night of doing the couch there was no script it was no um no, these are the points that you're going to make tonight. It's, hey, we're going to engage in the scripture together. Wherever you want to go, that's where we're going to go. Um, and people really dug into it, ask amazing questions that push me as a pastor and as a Christian, um, and we all grow deeper together. So that's that's where I am right now. That's awesome. Justin, I want to follow up a little bit. I love how you said, you know, the stock answer is <clears throat> during COVID, you know, all this started, but um, I'm interested. Um, in, in my book, Fresh Expression of the Digital Age, I was trying to name um, like digital natives and digital immigrants. Yeah. And how people, and I'm one of those like middle people, like I grew up definitely with a computer in the house and I had a pager, right? So we invented the text message y'all, so don't be hating, but we had beepers and we like beep each other little codes and stuff. This was before yeah. YouTube time, but I suspect that you're probably a digital native. Um, that, that had these technologies and access. So what did your experience growing up with technology look like? Help our, help our listeners hear that. Yeah. And then um, how, how would you help us who are maybe middle or old, I'll just name it, um, who are like more digital immigrant people. Um, how would you help us understand that our experience of technology is different um, than people that are kind of born in that? Uh, digitality kind of space. Yeah. So um, my upbringing still had dial up. Okay. So you know, oh, okay. internet still came in, in the mail and you got that CD and you put it in your computer. Uh, I remember mm-hmm. yelling at my brother um, because he picked up the phone and that just kicked me offline. Right. Um, which I think kids nowadays would have no idea what that even means, but that's yeah. the reality. Um, but I really leaned in. I think the thing that helped me was in high school, the group that I got connected with, we, we did land parties. Do you remember land parties? Uh, we would bring our Xboxes together 
and hooked them up and four TVs in the same room. We would play Halo for six to seven hours at a time, um, you know, just just game hard. So I've always really been interested in that and got involved in some chat room stuff and learning different things like that. So that's kind of my upbringing in technology. And then in college, um, I got hired for a program working for the uh, government in Kentucky. I'm from Kentucky, if you can hear that accent. Um, it comes out every once in a while when I get excited. Uh, but <laughs> I worked for this organization, and they said, hey, your uh, your job is IT. And I said, okay, I have no idea what that is. They're like, well, you, good luck. And I did. I, I figured it out. <laughs> I learned um, every time that we had an IT person come in, I just watched and then took notes and then was able to do it. And that's kind of how that training started. So I got really invested in building websites or building uh, chat boards and, and that kind of stuff. So it just kind of naturally evolved. So, yeah, I think I'm probably the oldest of the digital natives. Like I'm right there in that, that point where like we had cell phones, but you couldn't access them. I could access the internet on them until I was already in college, but I had a cell phone in high school that had like the, the flip up. You remember that? Oh, yeah. Flip up your mm-hmm. text. Oh, um, yeah. Big fan of yeah. that. So, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm a digital native and that I feel comfortable there. Um, but still a lot of things I have to learn and have to have to work through. So when we had those digital natives, digital immigrants, I think the key to understanding both of those groups is how are relationships defined. So if you ask a lot of people um, who they that they allow to influence their life, if you ask those who are over the age of 40, say, they're going to be very much so focused on the people that were in person in their life at all times or people they read books from or like national treasures, right? Or presidents or that kind of stuff. If you ask someone under the age of 18, who are the biggest influencers in their lives? They'll name some of those people locally. But they'll also name some of the influence they follow, influencers they follow on TikTok, who they subscribe to on YouTube, um, who they're involved with their Discord server. And that's kind of how they define those relationships. So I think that's the definition. We can get into the statistics of, you know, well, this generation does this and this generation does that. But I think the major shift was how we identify those relationships and, and how we identify who influences us um, and where we get information from. You guys remember Ask Jeeves? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Before Google, yeah, before Google, we had to ask Jeeves questions. It was so fun to just ask Jeeves random questions that he didn't have a lot of answers, mm-hmm. but it was fun mm-hmm. when he did. Right? For a lot of people who are not digital natives, Google is still an entryway. They still don't understand mm-hmm. why that's an automatic response. They would rather go to people they trust. They'd rather go to the encyclopedia. They'd rather go to any other space, right, than to Google go to to Google it immediately, mm. and. Me, I'm assuming maybe maybe you guys, we're probably in that that Googling age where we Google stuff, right? That's my main spot. But now it's YouTube. YouTube is the new Google for those who are in Gen Z. Um, they, they don't even go to Google anymore. They're like, I don't care what somebody wrote about it. I want to see what somebody filmed about it. I want to see what somebody mm-hmm. um, made a video about it. Mm-hmm. So these shifts are happening. And it's how we relate to information and relate to each other. Answer your mm-hmm. question, Michael. It does. Uh, what a helpful answer, too. I don't think I've ever heard it unpacked that way. So thank you for that. And it, it sparked the idea when I um, I had opportunity to take my son. He's uh, 19 now, but at this time he was uh, 17, I think. And we were in New York City and this like crowd of people was getting around somebody um, and he like ran over there and he's like, oh, that's my YouTuber. That's my, you know, this guy who's been following YouTube. 
And I'm like, all these yeah. young people are like trying to get pics with this dude. And he's like, take, so my son got a pic with him. His name's Alex. And um, I was like, wow. So like my generation, uh, well, we would kind of do that over maybe a rapper or, or a movie star or whatever. Um, but that was so significant mm-hmm. for him. So the, the relationships and how people, who they follow, that's really helpful. And it makes yeah, me well, I think one of the interesting things about that as well is like you still have sports stars or, or music stars, right? But some of the most followed people in the music area were, are famous in TikTok before they ever get to radio, right? So before it was, you have to get this radio top 100. It's so, mm-hmm. so important. Now TikTok makes its way eventually to the radio um, and that's how it works, right? So the, the way in which people could even get to fame has changed. Mm. And it, it's more um, there's a book called New Power. It talks about the decentralization of power and how we're now uploading to the download focus. That's who we are. We're in this generation. It's all about the upload, what that looks like. Um, but also it leaves some people who aren't prepared for that. They get angry with it um, because they don't have the skill set to be as creative or involved in the upload. Um, so it's also this, mm-hmm. this tension on, underneath the, the surface of that. Well, Back in my day, which is a great thing, the inherited people in our church and the inherited church is so important, but we have to we have to marry both, right? We have to say, hey, this is what you did. This is what they're doing. And really, you're all at the same spot. You're just getting there in different directions. Okay. Yeah. That makes me think of um, hmm. the movie Everything Everywhere All yeah. at Once that has been winning all those awards so and good. stuff. Amazing movie. But um, all the editors, there's only five, I think it was like a five-person editing team, and they were self-taught. And so they were going to YouTube to learn how to do these editing yeah. tricks. And they they won an Oscar for editing. <laughs> and I'm, I'm imagining in my head, you know, these people that have been in the industry who've been, you know, did go to went to the college and did all the work and the work in the traditional kind of way being, I could see people being angry about that and be like, they didn't do it the right yeah. way. You they know? didn't rise up. They um, didn't do an internship where they had to carry coffee and then they had to, you know, get this yeah. and that. No, they just YouTubed it. That's not good enough, you know, so... Right. Yeah, we live in a different era and like there it's interesting to think about the power aspect of it, that there is the power of the technology that is at everybody's fingertips, but you have to learn how to use it well. Um and I think in in ministry it can be, I think like COVID had has kind of exploded that because people were already doing that and it made it to where everybody kind of had to do digital ministry. And a lot of people they couldn't really figure it out a lot of churches and the ones that have like your church in Monticello has kind of figured it out and you've been able to sustain that and create a really cool um environment and a really cool like congregation that is you have a whole digital half to yeah. your congregation yeah you know yeah you know like, one of the things you said there was uh you know figured it out I think we're yeah. figuring it out you know I think we're all never no one's really there yet but it's interesting to me how there were we saw this great regression as well. So we don't talk about that much, but there was this great progression when when 2020 happened of churches going online and doing new things. Uh, the tech budget now has a spot, right? And we're going to have marketing. It's going to be great. A year later, 60% of those churches no longer are online. You know, just instantly regressed. And some went farther back than they originally came from. They went farther back into their space because people got digital burnout or they didn't feel like they had the tools and skill set. Or the idea was that, oh, people are just staying home, right? And we need to turn off the the live stream so they come back into the church. 
most of those people didn't come back into the church. They just found another church that they were able to to worship with and be in community with in a fidgetal way. So that's how they went. You know, mm-hmm. so it's this great regression that's happened now as well. So there's some churches who are early adopters or who are who are kind of innovating in that direction. And there are some who are going the opposite direction. So, so let me let me ask a follow up question to that since you since you went into that space for me and this is like a learning opportunity for me because um, I've really personally struggled with um, this idea of hybrid worship um, and that like um, you can be present with two groups of people at the same time. I think neuro- neuroscientists would say that's actually not literally yeah. possible just to divide your attention and not be fully present with either who's in front of you or who's, you know, so I've been an advocate of like being online, uh, inhabiting online space in an incarnational way, informing community and seeing digitality as a built environment. Just like when you go into a sanctuary, you go into a built environment, a building, you know, Um, it's been built by brick and mortar and wood and whatever. When we go into like when we're in living room church VR together and Horizon Worlds on Monday nights, um, we're in a built environment, but it's a digitally built environment. But the relationships are real. The connections real. And I've often wondered if streaming worship services is an adventure and missing the point. Mm. Because streaming worship services to me is like a, a new form of colonialism. Where we're like, let's take these public platforms like Facebook and whatnot. We'll stream our stuff to that, to a place where we've not really been invited. Uh, and we're speaking a language that really we only understand. And so people are scrolling through their stuff, you know, trying to check out what their friends are doing. A church service pops up, right? Yeah. And then we hope that they'll like view us and get in. And But then like, what's the long term? So there's all kind of questions around that. But I've wondered if the regression is not just, it's just been the realization that that doesn't actually work um, and that if we're going to dedicate time to planting churches online and digital, like what you're doing, what I see you doing is actually inhabiting digital space with people building relationship. You're not, you're not streaming something and saying, Hey, here's what we're doing here. How are y'all doing? You're like sitting in front of the camera and you're talking to the people that are with you in that. Yeah. moment. So I've wondered, you know, Help me understand that. Am I wrong? Yeah. What What are your thoughts about all of it? No, and I, I don't know if I would say you were wrong or right. I think that's something for the theologians to debate many years from now. But here's what I'll say. Um, streaming an online service on a Sunday morning, uh, for a lot of people, it's a front door for people to come into the church. What we used to say, you have to have a website. Now I think we would say you have to have a live stream. So I can come in, see if the people who I identify with as people in my tribe are there. If they're not, I don't know if I want to go there, you know, um, to identify if it's the um, the fit for me and my or me and my family, my my situation. If I'm live streaming, you know, just trying to find a church, I want to see are there kids, are people when they're, when you hear a baby crying on the live stream, are people cringing, or are they mm-hmm. saying, oh, I wonder how we can help that parent out, right? Um, so I think that's part of it for a lot of places is that that live stream could be that way to bring people in, but on the same side. That's not our focus for Mama See Online. The focus is that inhabited space that you're talking about. You know, there's there's places, there's people, and and those are the things that really focus on on um, the church experience. Is we do need a, a place, so we develop that place through a live stream for the couch. That is a, a 
a holy space. I'm not sure if you want to call it that. I, I would, but I'm willing to be a little more dangerous sometimes. Mm-hmm. This holy environment where you're able to bring who you are, your questions, your doubts, your struggles, your successes, your prayer requests, all that kind of stuff, and bring it into relationship with with me, but also with the, the 80 people who are in the chat, right? And in that environment, we are building this community, this ecclesia, right, this body of Christ together. And it's it's fully focused. I think one of the things you said that was really intuitive is it's really, really, really hard to do this and this, mm. right? I remember when um, when we first started preaching online uh, in, the, in, in the pandemic, I was like, okay, so I have to look at this camera the whole time. And it was awful. And now I do it like literally every week. <laughs> but I have to stare at this camera and then stare at that camera and then get this cue. Um, our senior pastor, and I think I can share this, he had in his manuscript, look at camera one, look at camera two, look at camera three. Because normally we're looking at people, right? When you're preaching, you're preaching to people. Now it's like, oh, this is so cold. But with the couch and with some of our ministry we do, I know who I'm looking at. I'm looking at Michael. I'm looking at Piper. I'm looking at um, the people who I've built a relationship in this this digital realm that are in different states or some who are in our community, but because of anxiety or other issues, they are not comfortable coming into a physical space. They're just not ready. They, they don't think they can do it, um, but they're able to sit on their couch with their therapy dog. And, you know, they know that they're accepted in that group, regardless of any lifestyle choices they're making or not making, they're there. So they feel, they feel that that's a, a better connection point for them. So I would say, I think you're right in the fact that it's really hard to do that both and um, hybrid type model at all things. But I think on the flip side of that, there is a way to do digital ministry that takes technology and uses that to help you build community. Mm-hmm. I think that's the better model. Instead of just saying, come and, you know, come and see online, I'm going to share the Facebook live stream and we're going to invite all these people to come in. And really, we just hope they come in and then they originally they come into our churches. How do we develop that community online, that relationship online? And I think that's what we strive to do. Our pillar is that um, we have three pillars of Mumsy Online. Online community is real community. You matter to us and you matter to God, and we get to work together in God's reconciliation of the world. So those are our three pillars that we are focusing on, and mm-hmm. that's how we build out our stuff. So yeah. I don't know if I answered you, but that's that's what I got, Michael. That's all I got. That's great. It's very good. Yeah. I think with Fresh Expressions, that's something we emphasize a lot is building. The, the community is built by for and with the people that are that we're ministering to and so um with fresh expressions it's people that are outside the church people like you're like you're talking about who are not comfortable or maybe sometimes it's even physically able to come to church every single cent to walk into the doors sometimes people have church hurt or whatever it is that might keep them away and so creating spaces that it's not just like come in and be part of this but it's kind of our rules but instead creating a community like we're going to build this community together because when you show up, you're a part of it. We use the idea of um, belonging before believing, or I like to say belonging upon arrival. You're yeah. here and that means you're part of it. So how can we, how can you contribute to shaping it into what it should be, what it can be? Absolutely. That shared, shared leadership, that shared goal seeking, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and just, just a side comment, something we don't talk about a lot, but I think it's really important is that COVID was a major gift to shut-ins. 
because for the first time in a lot of our history of a church, especially here in America, they felt seen mm. that, you know, now for the first time, the pastor is, is making sure that I am getting a card or that I am getting a, a, an email. I'm getting something that lets me know that I'm important to the church and I get to join into worship like I never had been before. Um, so I think that's one of the, the added benefits, but also it's how do we make sure that that's not the only way they're connecting with other people, that it's also a community around that. So mm-hmm. like we went in to help people understand how you do um, commenting in, in a live stream and that kind of stuff. How do we make that work? So that's what we did. And that's, that's what we decided to be about was that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's interesting because um, basically what we decided in the middle of COVID um, that our our older folks were not really connecting much at all with the online stuff. So we started trying to ask some questions around helping them, how they could engage it. Um, and then our our we stream our sermon on Sunday morning because they're like, really the only thing that we feel like we miss out on is the sermon. So we're like, okay, well, we'll just stream that part. And then you're, they stay connected if they can't come, but then there's other opportunities. But then we were like, that's not really missional per se. And that's mm-hmm. not giving, that's not giving people like what Piper's talking about an opportunity to co-create and shape and build together. Like what we're doing in living room church VR. So we did a pivot and just said, let's just create something for online people specifically that aren't connected to a church. And that's where the living room church VR, uh, living room church concept came from. Like we're in our living room, you're in your living room. We're going to have church together. Um, and, and we're just sitting at the screen, talking to each other, worshiping together and taking the Lord's supper together. And I agree with you, Justin, like, um, that's a holy space. I love what Fred Rogers said who was like a, a digital pioneer long before, you know, most of us, yeah. but he said the space between the screens is holy ground. And so I know that that space that's created through, you know, in his day, satellites and wires and, you know, cable television, um, that that's a, the God, the Holy Spirit's moving in that space. Yeah. And well, when, one of the things we say there is that the, there is no distance between us and the kingdom of God. There's no distance between us and the spirit. So as long as we're connected in the spirit and full of the spirit, then we are connected regardless if we're in a physical space and a digital space. That's what, that's what the body of Christ is. So the same kind of concept. Right. And I think it's easier to, to experience that in like a VR kind of setting because you can move around and touch each other and, and you can yeah. feel this three dimensional and I can feel the presence of the Holy Spirit in that space. And I've seen healings take place and people, you know, come out for the first time in that space and find a community of support. Um, yeah. And and that's really their only church community. It, it's just that. And, and they get really fed and it's meaningful to them. Um, so it's yeah. not like, hey, let's build this and let me get you to come back to my church or become a member of my church. It's, right. hey, let's create this church together out here in this digital pocket of God's metaverse. Well, and remember that one week we had those those three guys come in who oh, yeah, yeah. asked questions. They thought they were disruptive. But we answered but your question. We answered them. And they were like, well, now I don't know what to do. And they stuck around because they got their question answered. And it wasn't what they thought it was going to be. And then it was like this. So I, I might be okay here. <laughs> yeah. I might be able to sit here for a second. I, this is weird, uh, yeah. which is an awesome experience for all of us involved, right? It was a great time. That's, That's funny. Awesome. 
trolling doesn't happen as much in person, does it? <laughs> it happens more often digitally. That's <laughs> yeah, true. I remember that being such an issue at the beginning of COVID too. It's like before people realize, like, oh, I might need to put a password on yeah. on the Zoom chat or whatever it is. Oh. And so you get teenagers coming in and saying curse words and running out, you know, and exiting is really fast, you know. We yeah. we got Zoom bombed. We were doing Zoom bombed, yeah. We're doing a Bible study. We're trying to figure it all out, and uh, homeboy just shows up, and we're like, "Hey, Matt, how you doing today?" Uh, and Matt's like, he just pulls out a bong. And fires one up. <laughs> and all, all my chronologically mature folks are like, "What, it, Matt, what do you do? What's happening right now? <laughs> and he just did a bong hit and blew it out. And then he ghosts it out. They're like, what did we just experience? So I, was, I, was, I was like, okay, so maybe we need to do the, the passcode thing. Yeah. have a waiting room. But yeah, learning by failure, right? Hey, it's, it's, it's not failure if you're learning. That's that's all that matters. There that's you right. go. That's true. So you mentioned um, the word we use. You use the word fidgetal. Yeah. What does that mean? Uh, it's great. Um, I, let me give you an example before I tell you the meaning for us. Um, so we have a nursing home here in our community. We have a lot of we have a couple people in there. Um, one in particular, she's in her uh, late eighties, and pastor went in to visit her, uh, our senior pastor went in to visit her for a birthday. And she mentioned, oh, I love what you did in the sermon this week. He was like, what do you mean? Like, you aren't there. He's like, oh, no, we watch you. So, oh, like online? It's like, yeah. So what they do is they gather, like they go out and say, hey, if anybody wants to come watch church, we're going to, we're going to worship together. And in the nursing home, they gather around this TV and they, they join us for worship. It was amazing. We, we didn't ask anybody to do that. It was super organic. It's a little micro church we have there. But then we said, how do we show them that we see them? How do we show them that you know, we, we agree? We, whatever they're doing, we want it to be a part of. So then that next Sunday, I went to the nursing home during service and served communion. We had communion together. That's fidgetal. It's the, the, the combination of the physical thing that we do as a body of Christ and the, t- the technological things we can do to enhance the gospel of Jesus Christ out into the world, right? So fidgetal is this marrying of a physical space of, of programs, people, places, right? Um, of personalities, these, these physical things that we're kind of known for for the church and allowing technology to be used to enhance or to make new expressions of what God is already doing in the church. God's always done. There's nothing new under the sun. Um, mm-hmm. So really we're just creating new communities where people can be loved by Jesus. And if we use technology, we do. If we don't, we, that's fine too. Um, so our church is committed to a fidgetal ministry model, meaning that we don't make any decisions that are purely physical space dictated. You know, if, if we decide to have a special service, well, what does that look like? Now it can be live streamed, that's not usually our first choice. <laughs> so usually it's, okay, if we're going to have this Christmas Eve service, how do we have a couch Christmas Eve service as well? That meets the same embodiment of that, right? That has the, the, the same goals of bringing people into this, this moment of, of celebration for, for Christmas. And how do we do that in, in a purely digital realm with the physical things we're known for? Or how do we bring in some of the, the digital things that we're doing 
that people really enjoy into our physical church. Mm. One of the ways we did that was during COVID, um, we noticed that our, our metrics, and I'm not supposed to look at this, it's not very Holy Spirit inspired, but our metrics for those who are watching the service dropped 10 minutes into the sermon. Turns out people can only go for so long. We don't, we, we're, we're not like a 45 minute sermon group. We're like 20 minutes is our thing. So we cut it in half. So, okay, we're going to do message part one and we'll do some, some of the worship aspects that we would normally do anyway in between. Then we do a message part two. We've not stopped. Every single Sunday, pretty much since we made that decision, we've done two-part sermons. And it allows us to, to do like a, an answer question. And people ask questions in the chat. We can answer them in the second part. Or we can pose a question um, that's there. And people are able to, to be a part of that ministry in a different way. So we allow the digital to affect the physical. So it's this marrying. And it's not clean cut. I wish there was a better definition. It's still being like developed in our church. But it's this reality that technology is here to stay. Um, and either we can allow it to dictate who we are, or we can use technology in a way that's not sinful. It's not sinful um, to mm-hmm. to reach new people and to bring the love of Jesus to them, even if they're not willing to come into the building. So that's that's what we do. Justin, since you since you opened that door, let me let me ask another question. And yeah, and because I've seen you do this um, and <clears throat> help our help our listeners understand, uh, like. So when you when you lead Living Room Church VR, for instance, uh, you create a conversation. It's a dialogical preaching event. And I, I've seen you do like a short little within five minute story clip, something from scripture. Right. And then you throw that out there and then you ask a question and then you facilitate a conversation. And then, you know, the guys show up and say, well, what about hell or whatever? You know, they yeah. But we said, that's a great question. Let's talk about that. We, we like worked it into the conversation. Yeah. So how does that, your skill set for that? So talk to the guy who went to seminary and took a course on like monologue preaching and here's yeah. how to write a sermon and here's how to, you know, use a loop and draw. Well, that's a totally different skill set for what you do when you're facilitating that conversation and honoring each contribution and keeping it, you know, fo- Jesus, fo- all those things. So talk about that, that skill set and maybe give us some um, keys to like how you do that. Yeah. Um, so you ever watch BET? I, yeah. Or MTV. Mm-hmm. Um, there was this show where they used to have rappers come on mm-hmm. and they would do yeah. disses of each other. Yeah. You know, you'd find out who you're fighting that night or your mama with um, Badaramas, right? They would just joke on each other and you'd always have to be able to respond. I devoured those things as a youth. Like it was my favorite thing. Uh, Freestyle rap is huge to me. I don't have the cadence that I wish I did. Um, I mumble too much. I wish I could get in there and fight. I can't. But what that does is it shows us that when we're trying to get a point across, one of the easiest things for us to do is incorporate what other people think or are saying into that point and to not hold anything too tightly. So one of the things that I do in the couch and VR church, you know, is scripture is the most relevant and relative thing in all of the world. That God's word for us 
is God's word for us. In every situation, there's there's things there that we can gather. So allowing people to experience God's word and then reflect back on it in a way that is that is open and free, that there's no wrong answers, and that we can make it work is the key. So I think it's holding holding it loosely, right? And one of the things that I, I, I have interns um, that work with me and they're amazing. One of the things we have to teach them though is, hey, your goal is not the goal. So whatever your goal is for a sermon, that's not the goal. The goal is that Christ be magnified, right? That Christ be glorified. Mm-hmm. I promise you, there's not a lot that's going to stop that from happening in a conversation about Jesus. It's just going to be pretty natural direction we're going to go. So you don't have to be the one to handle the conversation. You don't have to be the one to answer all the questions. You know, one of the, the things I like to do is um, in youth ministry, um, Piper, you would ask a question. I'm like, that's great. Michael, if you had to answer Piper's question, what would that look like? <laughs> and just that, that I'm going to bring you into the conversation. We're going to do that. Or um, like last night, we had a group on last night. Um, someone made, we talked about their favorite Bible verses and how those are um, something that can help us get through dark times. And someone had quoted one of their verses. And I said, hey, Deborah, I think that's one of the verses that you quoted to me before. Why don't, why don't you tell them what you think that says? And Deborah's in the chat. Okay, Justin, sure. This is what I think it says. But Deborah, I love what you just said there. It's huge, right? It's understanding that the goal is not your goal. It's God's goal. You may come in with a goal or a theme or a topic, but every single person there, like we said, right? You matter to us and you matter to God. Your thoughts, your opinions, even when they could be wrong, they matter to God. We want to make sure that they're shared with others because that's what we do. When something matters to God, we share it. That's that's the, the purpose. Um, so it's that idea of holding it loosely, making sure that other people are engaged in the conversation, and then allowing it to go where it goes. Yeah. And see, I think that the way you do that is so beautiful, and it really um, plugs into, like if you read all the Barnard research and the Springtide research and all the stuff, it's like what people are saying is don't don't indoctrinate me. You know, don't hit me with a monologue for 30 minutes and tell me what the Bible means. But they have curiosity. Um, the whole spiritual but not religious movement is about, I want to ask questions. I want to explore. I want to be able to say, I think this part about Jesus is weird. You know, help me understand it. And, yeah. and that's what people are longing for. So we can create that in the online space where it's not, hey, I'm here to tell you, you know, what you need to believe about the word of God. It's Hey, here's a really cool thing in the Word of God. You know, what do y'all think about? It? Here's something Jesus did, um, and it 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 helps it scratch that itch that people have, right? Of wanting to really explore meaning and purpose and spirituality, but just not wanting to be like, don't fire hose me with telling me what I need to believe or think. Right. Well, and we've talked about this before. There was a time when you got all of your community all of your education um, about scripture and then all of your serving ability all happened in the church, right? Everything happened in the church. Now that's very different. Most people have most of their theological uh, teaching. It happens on TikTok. They, they have these things that happen there, right? Um, so 
they find the person that they, they want to follow. They say, hey, or, or the person that just randomly shows up on your free, for you page. You're scrolling at 2 o'clock in the morning. And you're like, oh, what's that? That's interesting. Aliens. And then you get this speech about all this cool stuff, right? And then you have a different community that's not inside the church. Even if you are a Christian, you come to church and you're, you're there on Sundays maybe if you're physically there. But that's not your people. Your people are elsewhere. And then how you serve, you can we can we be honest in this podcast? Am I allowed to do that? Is that okay? Absolutely. Your church doesn't do anything really relative to the world around you when it comes to justice, justice or social issues. So you say, well, I'm just going to go find someplace else that does. And then you serve there. You're still doing all the things that we would consider church, but you're just not doing them in church anymore. So I think that model just allows us to see, hey, people still want to learn. They still want to serve. They still want community. Maybe we don't have to have the boundaries you thought we did. Hmm. Yeah. I, w- I was just pulling up Piper's uh, TikTok real quick because she has like 13,000 oh, followers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Piper, I've seen you do this, like really elaborate theological uh, ideas um, and, and concepts. And you're able to do that in the medium of a TikTok and, and invite conversation. And then there's all this response and then you create community around mm-hmm. that. Um, tell us about that. How do you use that medium? And Yeah, well, it's a tough one. So I used it a lot in like probably, I think I started in 2020 and used it a lot throughout 2020, 2021. Um, but just kind of, I th- I realized there was a lot of people that were searching for that kind of engagement. They wanted to have discussions about theology and about the Bible. And I think during COVID, it was also a time, it almost like there was a lot of people who maybe were, had some questions about the, about the church and about what they believe and about, had maybe had issues with the churches they were a part of, um, especially in the very kind of thinking more the conservative evangelical kind of like realm of churches that have um, the kind of churches that have done a lot of harm, those kinds of things. A lot of people with COVID, it was like, oh, we, we can't go to church or now we're online. And it got people starting to think and to question and to kind of investigate, why do I keep going to this church? What What is this tension? You know, these things that are happening politically in the world. And so people were asking questions. They wanted to engage deeper. And I knew like, well, I've got this, I've got this seminary education that I'm sitting on. I want to share it. I shouldn't just keep it to myself. Um, and so I'm going to go out there and try to answer some of these questions. And so starting just to create a couple like, you know, short, I mean, at that point, the limit was one minute, your videos had to be under a minute. So it was like an extreme challenge. It took a lot of work to take a big, you know, I did a series on atonement theories. So how do I explain the Christus Victor in one minute, you know, and I think I did pretty okay, I think, and it was kind of helpful. Um, and the tiring thing, talking about trolls, that was the most tiring part of it is the trolls that come in because you're posting it publicly for the whole world. And so you never know who's right. going to see it. Um, but it's so true. I think that I would say for better or worse, people are going to TikTok and things like that to get their theological education because it also means anybody could be yelling things out and saying that they yeah. have the answers. But um, I do see that as the kind of the future of that because I created that and then through that with some other friends from TikTok and other places, I created a discord 
because TikTok's not the best for the community kind of building side. You yeah. kind of have to direct like, okay, let's go have real conversations somewhere else. So I created a Discord where there were multiple channels that had were about different subjects to talk about and created a community there. Um, but yeah, I think TikTok, it's a, at this point right now, actually their TikTok is like meeting with um, the Senate or something. They're like deciding about to potentially make a law to ban TikTok in America. So TikTok might go away. Maybe even by the time that we post this, TikTok might be gone, <laughs> which is pretty wild. Wow. Well, two things I just want to point out with what you said, Piper. I loved everything you said. One of the things you said is that people want to be challenged. I think I heard you say mm -hmm. that. If not, that's okay. Um, maybe I, I interpret that differently. But I think the idea of preaching being watered down we're past that mm -hmm. people want to get the meat they want to get the challenge of scripture the challenge of and not just the challenge of let's talk about if we're you know what trinitarianism is and, and what this is more so how do i hold in the tension of yes i'm a follower of christ but i also i love these people and i don't know if that connects or yeah, I'm a follower of Christ, and I know that the church is like my my home, right? But I'm really passionate about political issues. I want to I want to also be there. We should engage people in the challenge, mm -hmm. and then um, it would be really awesome if the board or a ministry would accept TikToks as a way of your answers for your questions. You know, because that'd be that would be great. I yeah. think that'd be a better option <laughs> in the future. Yeah, yeah. No, that's so true. I mean, I think so many a lot of churches. They more just tell you what to believe and not the why and the right. how and what, it, you know. And that's what I love. I've always, I always want to know the why and the history of everything. And so I know I got that with my education, but not everybody has that, you know. And so being able to, mm. to share that, to put all these books behind me, you know, into a, into a format that people are comfortable with, you know, YouTube and TikTok videos are definitely the future. Yeah. Well, and I heard this recently, this is not a just in case and quote, I don't think, I think I heard this recently, but deconstruction of our faith only hinders if you think that it has to build the same thing that you want it to build mm -hmm. as, as Legos, right? It's okay to deconstruct this awesome, cool set and to make something awesome and cool as well, as long as it's still the same building blocks in a lot of ways. And you can clean them off because there's some trash that's gotten on there um, through the many years of Christianity. Um, but for us to take these blocks and say, yeah, we can still build something really amazing. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's what God wants us to do. Mm -hmm. So I think the deconstruction thing is something that we need to lean into more. Yeah. Encourage people that wrestle with their faith and not just believe what you tell them to believe. Right. Mm. So I'd be interested in hearing from both of you. I think we've shared a lot about like the positive aspects of technology and how we can use it um, to build community and form relationships and create communities of belonging before believing. And um, Justin, I love what you said about how this is not a new thing, right? Um, yeah. In Fresh Expression of Digital Age, I was like noting the different ways that Christians across history use technology like Paul was using letters, medium, Roman road system, the publicus cursus, sending out these letters everywhere, the equivalent of like email today, um, but also saying things like, I know we long to be together face to face, but, you know, I'm using this technological medium. So he was doing like, you know, a both and blended ecology of technology in person and online. Um, 
two thousand years ago. So it's not yeah. Christians have done that always. Like you, Billy Graham with the stadium technology and amplification and all those things. Um, Gutenberg, like the printing yeah. press. Yeah, but we could go on and on. But um, what do y'all see as the harmful or negative? Um, parts of technology like what what are what are the things to watch out for or to caution listeners about uh i can speak to that i guess um ai is a really cool tool but can also really hinder um just the world not alone christianity the world uh, there's a movie called priest that has um, the guy who played the vision in it and you go um it, it has like <laughs> There's vampires, that kind of stuff. None of this is really pertinent to the conversation. But um, in that, the Catholic Church has kind of taken over. And you come into a kiosk and you confess your sins. The robot hears what your sins are and then gives you a, a priestly confession. Like, this is what you're supposed to do for absolution. And then you go on your way. You've absolved yourself. You're done. And that came out a while ago. But I think that could be where some places get to is this idea of, you know, AI prayer, you send in a prayer concern and then the AI bot responds, you know, Father God or gracious, gracious God, please, you know, and then it inserts all the information you need to have for this prayer to be effective, maybe not good or, or spirit filled, but effective. And it makes that person have a serotonin hit of, I feel better now, I was prayed for. And not a single person or the spirit was moved in that area. You know, I think technology can be used and the spirit can move through it. But it still has to be person to person. There has to be a person on the other end of both lines. Mm-hmm. That, that would be my biggest fear for technology is using some of that AI stuff. So Piper, I'm not sure what you have to add there. Yeah, I mean, my my thought was very similar because I think what, what you're talking about is authenticity. It's like the most extreme version of being inauthentic because there's not even a person on the other side. Um, but yeah, I think like you lose, you it can become almost all flashy and become all about kind of an experience you know it makes me think about a lot of like like one of the critiques with you mentioned a marvel character the critique with the marvel movies is that they're really fun but then people talk about sometimes they lack substance you know especially when it comes to old-fashioned filmmaking because everything is you know is like a green screen and the only real thing might be the actor's face you know or whatever it is Mm -hmm. Uh, and so if that's happening in our digital spaces where we're trying to create community first you know and create spirit like spaces where people can explore their spirituality if we're trying to create spiritual sacred spaces i think that is possible online but like you were saying there has to be the the person connection there that makes it real i guess i would say well i think it comes down to digital digital ministry is ministry but it can never become disembodied It has to be embodied by people, whether using the medium. And, and the same thing can happen at church, right? It, 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 in-person church. If it's just, you know, we're sitting up there and we're not really connecting to each other. And it's we're receiving some some AI sermon that's being given by a robot. And we're like, yes, this is, this is great. Then we, we've missed the point. Um, so I think it's, it's all about that community. When we lose the community portion, that's when we've lost the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So, so on that note, um, Justin, where do you see the future of the church? What does it look like? Yeah. Vision out for us 10, 20, 30 years, as far as you can go, 
What what do you see the future of the church being? I think the future of the church is going to be ancient more than future. Um, I think the decentralization of the church is going to come in the next 20 to 30 years to where we're we're back in house churches. And and maybe there is a spiritual figurehead. Uh, maybe a, a pastor or an apostolic type person who is kind of preaching or doing that, that using that gifting because the spirit still gives those gifts, right? But there, the idea of having bigger buildings, and I, I say this as a pastor who's, you know, I'm going to be the senior pastor of this church in a year. We have a big building. I'm really thankful for it because that's a really cool ministry. But I think what's going to happen eventually is is the the decentralization of that that Christian experience, um, and it's going to be a fidgetal thing. It's going to be we have this online. We, we can watch this 15-minute extra-long TikTok. That's now standard, whatever it is. You know, It can be whatever you want to call it. And then we're going to have this conversation in our home or this conversation in a, a VR setting about that and how it applies to our life and how we're going to change because of it, and that transformational aspect of the Spirit. Uh, I think the church is going to be a lot more focused on loving its neighbors instead of just acknowledging who they are. I think sometimes we just acknowledge our neighbors. We think that's enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like the all lives matter, you know, black lives matter. Why is matter the focus? Like, shouldn't it be deeper than just matter, right? Um, that same concept is going to have to take over the church. And then I think the church is going to have to, I don't think relearn, but re reclaim some of our aspect as the body that speaks into social issues without being political, but being purely Christ focused because Christ speaks a lot on social issues. And I think that's what this next generation wants to see is more Christ, less, less church. So, mm. Good. More Christ, less church. Put that on a t-shirt <laughs> and wear it. <laughs> that's good. Awesome. Well, okay. Last little bit, uh, Justin, any closing thoughts? And then also where can listeners find you online? Where can they join Mumsy online? Yeah. So Mumsy online is basically a Facebook group. I know Facebook's not the greatest thing. It's what we got, right? Um, so if you just search M-U-M-C online, you'll find our Facebook group. Uh, we have a great group there that you can join. We pray together. We worship together. We we learn about Jesus together. And we find ways to serve together. Um, and then, you know, you can add me on Facebook. I love to have new friends and you can see all the funny things that I post on TikTok. You know, I don't do a TikTok, but all the funny things I post on social media. Um, and then a, f- a final statement would be that don't give up on this generation because they have the greatest hope of any generation ever to really change the landscape of our country for the better for Christ. Mm. That's awesome. That's good stuff. Thanks for joining us. This was really great. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Justin. Yeah. Awesome. And to those listening, thank you so much for being here for this episode of New People, New Ways. If you enjoyed our conversation with Justin, please share it with a friend, like it on uh, whatever place that you're listening, give us a rate and review. Um, and if you would like to learn more about Fresh Expressions from us, you can check out freshexpressionsfl.org and find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. See you next time on New People, New Ways. Mm-hmm.